We are three best friends living on three corners of the country, wifing, momming, boss babing, and honestly, just trying to keep our shit together. Anyway, I'm Allie. I'm Alicia. I'm Elisa, and this is A3 Life. Our fun, funny, and informative lifestyle podcast, where we will be speaking on how to be fearless, authentic, and relentless in all areas of life. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to A3 Life. Today we have a super, super special guest, um, Shay Marcata. We are so, so, so excited to have her here. So I am going to read my notes so I don't mess this up because she is fabulous. She is amazing. I want to make sure I don't miss anything about her because she is a super special treat. And I know you guys are absolutely going to love her and she's going to bring so much value. So first I want to introduce her. Like I said, her name is Shay Marquetta. She's a fitness and wellness coach. She's been for a little over eight years. She's an, do you say I-S-S-A? Do you spell it out like that, Shay? Certified personal trainer and nutritionist. Um, She went to college for business management. She, what else do we got here? What else we got here? This woman is so, like, there's so much stuff. She's actually, actually amazing. She's been I gave a you a lot to work with. <laughs> yes, yes, but we love it. We love it. She's been a wellness coordinator for a mental health and rehabilitation treatment facility, coordinating with doctors, treating and healing symptoms of PTSD, autism, schizophrenia, anxiety disorders, depression, addiction, and more. She owns a small exercise equipment line, and she's the first and only female trainer at the Redcon One Gym, which, let's be honest, you guys. That's badass. That's so <laughs> badass. Um, um, she competes in the wellness division of the National Physique Committee. And when she's not working, you can usually find her baking in the kitchen. I mean, like, look at all that stuff. Let's not. Oh, look at those yeah. credentials. Did you yeah. say fitness and baking? You know, because know. everyone in the world thinks that you can't bake and go to the and be into fitness right okay so i used to be a horrible cook and baker like it was i couldn't even make macaroni and cheese it was bad and i started um I, the first prep i ever did for a bodybuilding show you know like eight weeks in and you're like okay i've been dieting on chicken and rice and vegetables for like basically what feels like my whole life i need something and then like the cravings start kicking in so the only way that i could get over the cravings was just to like smell and be around yummy, delicious, sugary, buttery stuff. And so then <clears throat> now I bake and I like, I delivered like a bunch of peanut butter cookies to Redcon yesterday. Like it's like a daily thing. <laughs> that is so awesome. And props to you for like actually being able to hold out and not eat that. Yeah. So my sister-in-law used to compete and she did the same thing. Like all she would have to do is she'd be like, let me smell that. Or like, let me sniff that. So between like sniffing really good food and chewing gum is kind of yeah. like what got her through. So I don't know if you just like pretend that you're eating it when you chew that gum. Cause she chewed the hell out of some gum. Let me just say, yeah. I'm just like, oh my, that I'll looks delicious. I'll go through like a full pack a day. It's bad. And that it's juicy, bad. that juicy fruit bubblelicious gum. Mm. Let me just help you. Delicious. <laughs> uh-huh. So Shay, so let's, let's just kind of, let's just kind of get into it. We want to know you. I mean, obviously we heard your credentials, but we want to know you, your story, like what brought you to who you are today, you know, like just fill us in, catch us up, like help help us know you. All right. Well, 
So I went to college for the first time in 2011 and I dropped out after the first like eight months. I didn't make it very long and it wasn't because of anything like academic wise. It was just because, you know, I moved away. I didn't know a single person when I went there. And even though, you know, I joined a I joined a sorority and I had lots of friends. I really didn't have anyone that I felt like was close to me. So I ended up, you know, drinking and like partying and doing the thing that you do your first year of college. And I fell into a really deep depression and I'd never experienced anything like it before. And I, when I went home, you know, cause I, it was one point where I wasn't even going to classes. I was sleeping all the time and I didn't, you know, I just didn't feel like myself. I didn't have any purpose. Like I was like, what am I doing here? I don't, I don't even know what degree I'm getting. Like, I'm just going to classes and signing up for like the easiest stuff. Like, it was bad. So I came um, back home and home for me is uh, actually Yakima, Washington. So I came back, I lived with my parents and then I ended up getting a, a studio apartment. And I, I signed up for like a local community college class and I worked like a, a coffee job as a barista. And one day I, it was my weekend and I, I slept in and there was a, lawnmower outside the window and I don't know why but the lawnmower just totally sent me over the edge like set me off and I had and I didn't know what it was at the time uh like a massive panic attack and it lasted three days like for three days I was on the couch like in the fetal position like I didn't even get up to go to the bathroom it was so bad because I thought in my mind my heart was like you know pounding through my chest I thought in my mind that if I moved my body that I would have a heart attack and die it was awful. And I would never wish that on my worst enemy. So I actually ended up calling my doctor, um, just like my regular checkup doctor. And I said, I don't know what happened. I think I had a heart attack. Can you like, you know, EKG me and run all these tests? And she's like, no, Shay, that was a panic attack. And they do a bunch of testing and stuff. And I ended up uh, bawling my eyes out in her office because I you know, she asked all these questions like, do you feel like you lost um, your zest for life? Do you feel like you have a will to live? And at the time I didn't recognize it, but I was totally having like suicidal thoughts. Like I truly believed at that time that, you know, my family and my boyfriend at the time and the people that I, that loved me and that I loved would be truly better off without me. Um, and that's that it hit me in her office. Like I'm not okay. And I, I pulled back out of school. I quit my job and I just decided, you know, financially I was okay to, to do that and take care of myself. And I practiced yoga and I did a bunch of research and I read like every, uh, you know, Bible and Torah and Quran and like looking for answers, like soul searching. And I, I went to the gym for the first time since I ran track in high school. And I, I I'm, you know, I had a couple friends there and I'm like, why don't you lift weights? You're doing cardio all the time. And so I, I decided to be like, screw it. I really have nothing to lose. And uh, I remember I, I shoulder pressed these dumbbells, like these 40 pound dumbbells, which is still a lot for me. And that was the first feeling that I had in like years, really, of feeling like a sense of accomplishment and like that, that endorphin rush and like, wow, I can't believe I did that. And it was like my first like little win. And then after that, it really became like an, like a true addiction, not to the point where, you know, it was a bad addiction, <laughs> but out of all the ones that you can have, that's a pretty good one. The good one, and the good kind just, of addiction. Yeah, yeah. And then it really just started from there. I just researched a bunch and educated myself and, and I found a passion for it. And that's really why I like 
linking health and fitness and like exercise and nutrition to mental health, because that's, you know, they go hand in hand. Your body always follows what your brain is doing. You know, you can't really get in shape if you're stressed out, especially for women. Um, you know, I have clients who you can diet them down for so long, but the, the first question you have to ask is, are you stressed out? Are you depressed? Because your brain won't allow your body to make those changes if it's not healthy. So that's where my passion comes from. That's where I, that's where I started. I love it. You know, and I think that that's something that I always notice um, you talk about. For one, you're phenomenal at your social media. Like you're phenomenal oh, thank you. Like um, with your page. But you do speak a lot on, you know, like women and depression and how it affects, you know, weight loss and how it affects your health and stuff. I mean, what is your take on that? Because I watch it. Every time you put that stuff, I'm like reading every little thing. <laughs> Because I, I, I think a lot of times that's not really talked about a bunch, you know, like how, you know, the link between, you know, us women and I'm sure men and, and they probably have their own things, but I do think our bodies are different. And I mean, I just, I just don't think it's something that's really discussed much, but you blast it. Yeah. <laughs> I like to talk about things that not a lot of people do, especially with like the mental health stuff, because I, you know, when I was going through that journey myself, especially from my parents who I was close to at the time, it really wasn't something that they wanted to hear about. And I don't think, you know, when you talk about mental health, especially pertaining to your own mental health, if it's not healthy, no one really likes to take on that burden um, and, and take it on as their own, but it does need to be talked about. And so, you know, if that's why I started blasting on social media, because it's an indirect way of saying, you know, like, here's some help, here's some healing, here's something you may not know, because you really, doctors don't know, you, you know, your primary care physician doesn't know a whole lot about that. And therapists are really good at, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, talk therapy, but there's a lot more to it. I mean, it, it goes really deep. And a lot of times you have to do your own research to figure that out. So I, you know, would, with women, there's a correlation between uh, your cortisol hormones and weight loss, especially like you'll see it like around the midsection, um, right around the belly button, it'll kind of appear, you know, fat will appear in like a teardrop shape. That's cortisol related. And so if you're stressed out, the thing is stress doesn't mean, you know, like somebody in your family is dying and like, that's a horrible thing or you're dying. Maybe your your body doesn't know the difference between a million notifications on your phone because it's overstimulating to your to your brain or a lion chasing you, you know, it's the same hormones that, that cascade when things like that happen. And if your baseline is a little bit higher, notifications on your phone can actually send you into a panic attack because your brain's already overstimulated. So when you have that cascade of hormones, no matter what the issue is, whether it's big or small, it totally trumps your weight loss or, or your body recomposition. Um, and that's why you see like, you know, people, people's weight loss stalling for a certain period of time because they're stressed out and they don't recognize that, that they're stressed because, you know, things may be seemingly fine, but in reality, and, and that's why like in a lot of my programs and stuff, I will give people um, like meditation techniques or, or yoga or like a breathing, a square breathing or something to help calm the brain so that their weight loss follows. Really wow. interesting. I just want to say I've never heard that analogy before of the stress, like people not recognizing it. Cause I, I think the same thing. I'm like, I'm not, not like really particularly stressed about anything or depressed. I mean, nothing crazy going on in my life, but 
you you are so right. And like I said, I've never heard anyone even explain it in that way, that there are so many different triggers that you that seemingly don't seem that like, oh, that's not super stressful, but your mind doesn't know the difference. Like that in your body, I absolutely love that analogy, Shay. And again, I've just never heard it explained like that. So I, I think that's very insightful. And I think it will be, I think there's somebody else that's gonna hear it just like me and be like, wow. Whoa, you're so. right. My body doesn't know the difference. And I know that seems simple and silly, but, you know, like you said, kind of decompressing and figuring out, you know, what, what is actually stressing you out, even if you don't know that you're getting stressed out. So yeah, I love that tidbit. And I think maybe that is like a good reason why, you know, like starting out your day and like you said, like, you know, praying, meditating, whatever it is, like just kind of calming your mind and really falling back on that. Because I I know like if your body is like, you know, letting off all that cortisol, I mean, how, how does that really, how does that interfere exactly with weight loss? Like what? You're probably well, well more versed in that. Like, like, you know, what exactly does that do for people that have no clue or don't understand really what, what does that do? How does that affect, you know? Yeah. So I won't go down to like the, like the molecular level, but so when you have, you know, cortisol is not a bad thing. In fact, you need cortisol for certain things, especially if you're weight training, it actually will help your body um, through that process of repair. But it's when you have excess cortisol or excess stress hormones, um, that what happens when you have that cascade of hormones, like, you know, say, um, for example, right before you give a speech, right, it's nerve wracking and you start like shaking, right? And you kind of like, maybe your stomach feels a little bit upset and you start sweating. That's the same symptoms, but it, for, for various people, it will happen either randomly like it did for me, or it happens when they're driving. And so when that cascade of hormones hits, what happens is it sends your body out of the parasympathetic nervous system into the sympathetic nervous system. And that is your fight or flight. And what happens is, and everyone's body does it a little different. Um, but some of the things that will happen is like your digestive system will shut down, like seemingly completely, it'll stop digesting things. So that's problem number one, especially for weight loss. If you're not digesting, you're not processing all that food sitting in there, your gut health bacteria, um, you know, the healthy gut bacteria decreases your, you know, maybe you get a bout of candida, which is a yeast, uh, overrun. Right. Um, and then for fat loss, your body won't, won't oxidize any, any fat because it's working on keeping your, your internal organs alive. So it'll send all the blood to like your, your, uh, your internal organs. All right. So that's why you get like tingly hands or like, um, numb hands and feet, right? Because there's no blood there because it's, it's trying to preserve the body. It's, it's in survival mode. So it's, it's like all of its priorities are sent to keeping you alive and burning fat. That's not a priority or, or building muscle. You know, you'll have a hard time putting on muscle too. And as we know, muscle gives you great shape. So you'll have a hard time putting on muscle and repairing, repairing damage to the muscle because it's focused on keeping you alive and repairing uh, and protecting all those internal vital organs. That brings me to something else And this, and I'm going to have you talk about this because obviously you're more educated than I am about this. Let's talk about not eating enough food because like you said, your body goes into survival mode. And I think people think, oh, I want to get in shape or I want to lose weight or whatever. I'm just not going to eat. So can you like, 
Can you dive in a little bit on that subject? Because obviously that's something you're super educated on and the importance of people eating enough food because they don't, you know, that's how they, their mind works. Like, I'm just going to stop eating. Right. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. Um, and I, when I first started my, my fitness journey, that's, I actually did the same thing. Uh, cause I didn't know, I thought, you know, I have to eat in calorie deficit. You know, if I burn 800 calories, I have to eat 700 calories to burn that. But the, that's not how that works. Um, and actually most of the people that come to me don't eat enough. I will say that, especially women. Um, but what happens when, so you have, you burn calories throughout the day, right? Breathing burns calories. Like your, your, um, your maintenance calories are, are all the calories that you're burning are all the energy that you're expending throughout the day, just breathing, walking, talking, existing, and then any exercises calories on top of that. So we, you know, when, when, when somebody's eating like six or 700 calories, what they're actually doing is not only starving their body, like that's not good anyway, but they're down-regulating their metabolism. So your metabolism can either upregulate or downregulate depending on how much energy you're expending and how much energy that you're, you're consuming. So you can manipulate the body in really cool ways by food and, and energy expenditure exercise. But what happens when, so say somebody wants to lose much weight and they uh, start a diet and they're eating like, you know, six or 700 calories. That's usually like the, the, what I found to be like the norm for somebody who's under eating. Um, they are not only depriving their body of essential nutrients, which you need to repair muscle and, and lose fat, and they're down-regulating their metabolism. So when you, and a lot of times it'll be like a yo-yo diet, you will crash your metabolism. So you're, 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 you're eating here, your metabolism was here, and now it's meeting you here. So now your metabolism is moving at like turtle pace. So what happens when you come off that diet and eat like a normal person again, your metabolism can't match what you're eating now. And so you get the rebound. And a lot of times that happens like on, on keto diet, um, or it happened on Adkins. I mean, any, any diet that you're depriving yourself of calories, that's why reverse dieting and, or, or macro dieting to create like a sustainable lifestyle is really helpful because you, there's no rebound for it, but it's, you know, I, I have personally known people who are not my clients, um, who were eating in a huge calorie deficit, like under eating by quite a bit, you know, sub 1000 calories, um, for months on end. And, and there's so many things that come with that. Like, you know, I, I knew a girl who started to lose her vision. Um, I've, I've known people whose periods completely shut down and, and that's actually really common in, in the competing scene is loss of, loss of menstrual cycle. Um, a lot of weird things can happen, you know, rashes, like breakouts, you name it your teeth start falling out. Like it's, it's really dangerous to do that. So it's important, I think, to know, you know, to be in a calorie deficit, but still, still be nourishing your body in a healthy manner to find so balance. I, I got a question for you and I don't know if you don't want to answer this or you're like, Oh, no, or whatever. Um, you don't have to, but you said just because I know like it's something that I've kind of toyed with, played with, and I know it's something that's very hot right now. What is your take on the keto diets? Keto. <laughs> oh my um, God, you want to open up that can of worms because everyone's got it. Yeah, yeah. Everyone has a different opinion on it. Um, but I feel like she has I, an educated opinion on it. So I think <laughs> that, that is helpful because, you know, there's a lot of people that have an opinion either way that aren't maybe as educated. So I, I look forward to this answer. The, the keto is, is, just like any other diet, if it 
works for you and it's sustainable, that's okay. As long as you're getting all the nutrients that you need. And with keto diet, like most, so most people don't get enough like B12s because they don't eat enough meat. And that's the issue that we run into with like veganism and vegetarianism. But with keto, you know, you, you, you usually eat like quite a bit of meat. So it's really easy to get like your essentials um, and like your B vitamins and, and all that. And the only thing that I've run into like issue-wise with keto is um, digestion and cholesterol because people are choosing really shit foods <laughs> to put in their keto diet. But I think if you're eating, you know, a like I was told an 80-20 rule, 80% like whole, clean, unprocessed foods and then 20% like soul food, like feel-good food, cookies and whatnot. Um, if you follow the 80-20 rule, you know, I think it's totally acceptable to fit you know, cheese and butter and all that good stuff in your coffee. And if your blood works good and your, and your body processes it really well, then, and you can sustain it. That's the key. If you can sustain it, then, you know, it works. It's just like, you know, if you follow like a paleo diet or, or, um, Mediterranean diet, if you can follow that and it's sustainable for you, like long-term throughout your life, then, great. The thing that I find is difficult with keto is not a lot because we're such like a carb culture and, and, and alcohol is considered, you know, it's not, it's its own kind of macro, but we consider it a carb because it processes similarly. Most people I would say can't sustain keto for a long term. And what happens when you come off of keto is, you, you know, your bloodies, um, your body replenishes glycogen and it holds a bunch of water. And so you get this like rebound of a, of a bunch of weight. And then it sends people into this cascade of like, you know, eating crap. <laughs> so it's, it, it works for some. And I actually know um, there's a, there's a guy named Rob who runs Keto Savage, who's been on keto for years and does bodybuilding and it, it works for him. Same thing. Like um, there's a carnivore diet that is really effective for some people. It's just straight up meat. And, and I know people who have perfect blood work and they do really, really well and they feel good on it. And that's the other thing too. If you feel good, on keto and I know and it depends on like your body type and your genes and all that good stuff too but if you feel good on it and it's sustainable it works and so do you think do you think that like say with a, a diet like keto or something that where people fail is because I, I know most people go keto that means you can have all the fat and just bacon and grease and butter and they just use it as an excuse to just like do you know what I mean so I mean yeah. don't you think there's like a uh, a good way to keto, or I guess you would say, or, you know what I mean? Because I can't see anything wrong with, um, you know, cutting out a lot of breads and potatoes and things like that necessarily and eating, you know, proteins and vegetables and things like that. Um, but it doesn't look like that's what happens a lot. So do you think that's where people fail? Yeah, um, they do. Yeah. And I think that's where your health starts to take a big poo too, is when you start fitting in like really heavy, like butter, I mean, but butter's not bad. And, but when you're eating butter balls for breakfast every morning, it doesn't matter if it's sugar or, or butter, it's not healthy. It's not good for you. And especially if you're not getting like, as far as cholesterol wise, cause that's like our biggest issue with keto is your LDL cholesterol really, really uh, elevates, especially if you're not feeding your body with, with good stuff, like, uh, lean meats and, and fish, um, it, it can be dangerous. So I think just knowing kind of what sort of foods to put in your keto diet is like the real big thing here. 
Well, and, you know, I think like you were saying that to cut out carbs entirely, you know, uh, the, I, cause I did, I've tried everything, but I did keto for a really long time and I did lose weight. And I, I mean, I, I weighed less than I even weigh now. I'm in way better shape right now than I was then, but I did way less. So I lost the weight, but if I would, like you were saying, have like one drink, Number one, I had the biggest, most massive headache on the planet. I mean, it took one drink and I was like, I got to go home, you know, and I would be miserable. Not the next day, like that moment, I felt like crap. And then the bloating, like if I was like, it's Christmas, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to think about it. I would, I was miserable on Christmas because I had cookies and I had this and mashed potatoes and that, and I hadn't had it in six months. And then, so I had a headache and I was miserable and I was tired. And then I was bloated and up like eight pounds within two days from adding Mm -hmm. that stuff back, you know, and it's that yo-yo thing. Like you're saying, like, if you can't stay consistent with it and that's what you're, that's not good either. That's not healthy for you either. The in and out of something. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Let's talk about, let's talk about not being scared of carbs because I think it kind of goes with that keto lifestyle. And once you get that keto lifestyle ingrained in your mind, I did it for like two or three days. I'm going to be honest. I don't have a gallbladder. I can't process all that fat. I do not like the taste of all that fat, like absolutely terrible for me. Um, so definitely never been a fan of it personally, but um, and the idea of just putting that much fat into your body, I'm just like, I, I, anyhow, but I'm not the expert here. So let's talk about not being scared of carbs. Let's like talk about the scientific reasoning behind carbs and what it can and should ideally do for your body. Because I just like, I get so sick of like, oh, carbs, carbs, like can't eat carbs. That I'm like, just shut up. Like you can eat carbs, home girl, as long as you're eating the right carbs. So let's talk yeah. about carbs specifically. Okay, let's do it. So carbs are not a uh, essential macronutrient. Your body does need fats and proteins. Carbs are not, you know, I, I kind of equate carbs to like this. You need wheels to drive a car, right? And you need a steering wheel to drive a car. And you can think of those as like your fats and your proteins. But if you live in, say, Florida, and you don't have air conditioning, it's going to suck. And I like to think of carbs as air conditioning, <laughs> right? Love you don't it. need it to drive the car, but it's going to suck without it. So carbs do a few things for your body, especially if you're weight training, which if you are on um, any kind of fitness journey, weight loss journey or, or anything, um, weight training is going to be your best friend because that's what helps build your shape. And you actually burn calories during your lift. And then, you know, for hours after it, while your body's repairing the muscles that you just broke down. So if you're doing any kind of weight training though, you want carbs because your, your carbs are your preferred energy source. Your body wants to use them. So you eat them, your body uses them. Super simple. Um, when you, you know, when you cut out carbs and not having them can really can affect your hormones too, especially if you're in a calorie deficit already. Um, and that's, you know, that's something, the type of carb is really what matters here. So there's, there's macro dieting, which is, um, if it fits your macros, which, you know, I have some clients on too, and it works for them because it's a sustainable, um, but you know, the type of carbohydrate that you put in your body and the time of day also really matters for, especially your body composition. I, I tend to think that people feel better when they eat carbs. They don't feel as like 
dead to the world or, or as I'm sure you're familiar with um, the keto flu, you know, when, when somebody starts keto, they, you know, for the first week or so when their body's getting into ketosis and that, you know, some people can get into ketosis in a day and some people it takes like a couple weeks. I'm one of those people that is really, really hard for me to get into ketosis. And when I do, I actually feel like I have the flu. It's not fun. Um, so I find that most people feel better when they have a certain amount of carbs in their system, um, especially if they're weight training or doing any kind of um, physical exercise. You know, you know, like a lot of runners or marathon runners will actually ingest carbs as they're running because the, their body needs that to to go. Otherwise, they'll they'll shut their system down. Um, but the type of carb matters too. So if you're, you know, if you're say you're macro dieting and you're fitting in a bunch of processed sugars, your body processes those really quickly. And what that does is it elevates your blood sugar, which that can, I mean, we know this, like sugars over time lead to type two diabetes, which is not healthy. Um, so it's, it's good to have a combination of like slow processing, um, carbohydrates, like, oh, I don't know, uh, brown rice or some sort of sweet potato and, you know, a combination of those. And then some, some, fast processing carbs, like after your workout, when your body's primed and ready to ingest those and take those in and process them really quickly um, and replenish your glycogen stores that you just, you know, used on your workout, um, you know, things like, like a sugar or a fast digesting carb are really helpful for, for post-workouts. So it's, it's really kind of a science and comes down to, you know, what type of carb and when. And then for alcohol, you're, this is something that not a lot of people know. Um, for the record, and I don't know why, everyone thinks that to is alcohol. I on the whole booze thing. Like, I <laughs> yeah. love alcohol. I'm just saying. I'm like, oh, I do too. But I, I, I think it is important to understand, you know what I mean? Like, the- yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't know why everyone thinks this, but Tito's has calories. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, there's some people um, at our at our gym who were talking about how they drank on the weekend, and I went, "Aren't you in prep for like a bodybuilding show?" And they're like, "Yeah, it was just Tito's though; it's zero calorie." And I'm like, "No, it's not." <laughs> so, so alcohol is kind of a funny thing. It's really hard, especially if like you're a daily drinker. It's really hard um, to meet your fitness goals if you're drinking every day. And the reason being is because when you consume alcohol, alcohol processes similarly to a carbohydrate. And we kind of like put it under the umbrella of carbohydrates. Um, but there's there's seven calories per gram of alcohol. For fat, there's nine calories. And for protein and carbs, there's four calories per gram. Okay, so when you ingest alcohol, your body can't oxidize fat while you have alcohol in your system. So once you drink alcohol, it usually takes, you know, anywhere between eight and 24 hours, depending on how much you drink for your body to process the alcohol from start to finish from one end to the other. And during that window, your body can't burn fat at all. Alcohol is its first priority to process and digest. And then after the alcohol is out of your system, then it can go into the fat burning mode. So basically, let me just ask you this real quick. So if you were out getting buck at the club, all night long and then you wake up the next day and you're trying to go to the gym is that kind of like an oxymoron as far as fat burning goes like what's I mean what's your thought on that because I remember one of my trainers before because he knew and I showed up and maybe I had a couple too few and he's like why are you even here I'm like well because he's like that doesn't it doesn't even make sense so I don't know what's your thought (laughs) um 
I actually knew a guy who's really old school. Uh, he used to take a shot of tequila before his workouts uh, every day, but you know, he didn't, he didn't look very good. <laughs> but yeah, if you're, you know, if you go have a mimosa uh, at brunch and then you go see your personal trainer at, you know, two or one and your the alcohol still in your system, the only thing that you can really do that's productive is break down some muscle tissue um, but, you know, if you went on a bender that evening, it's going to take your body a lot longer to repair that muscle tissue and you're not burning any fat in that entire day or the next day. I'm glad you brought that up because I hear so many people like, oh, well, I don't eat that bad, but homegirl, you drink every day. Yeah. So maybe that's the problem. <laughs> and I think people just aren't educated. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely not an expert, but I know I've learn counting macros. Obviously well, you learn a lot doing that. And I think like you're saying the combination of the alcohol with the not eating enough food is a, is a big and really common problem. And then like, like we've been using the word diet. And I think a lot of people hear that and they automatically think like what you were talking about with the huge deficits eating like five, 700 calories a day, that's a diet to them. What we mean when we say diet is the stuff you eat. The food yes. you eat. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and so I yeah. think people hear that word. I wish there was like any other word because the moment that people, like when you say like, what's your diet like? They're like, well, you know, I had an apple and, and then I had a piece of toast. And I'm like, no, I'm not talking about like how little food did you eat? Cause that's what they equate it to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or keto or something like that. And, and then when you use that terminology diet, I'm like, it's not actually diet. It's just like how I eat every day. You know what yeah. I mean? Like my actual yeah. intake of food. And, and I think, yeah, that combination of that and people just aren't educated as far as how alcohol affects our body. Right. Like, okay, cool. You want to go have some drinks, have a good time, whatever. So let's put it this way. And again, I have, my sister-in-law used to compete in prep. So I, I know a little bit about this yeah, yeah. only through her. Um, so let's just say like you work out, what, what do you suggest or what do you recommend? What can people kind of safely drink? What is the safest alcoholic drink? If you want to indulge every once in a while, what is something you would recommend or something maybe you personally drink? I am a big fan of red wine. Um, I mean, any alcohol, it all pretty much processes the same. The only way that you're going to get alcohol to not process quickly like that is like with adding fiber, which is disgusting. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I think red wine has a lot of benefits that you don't see in other alcohols like um, vodka and, and whiskey. And, and that's just really just like heart benefits. It's got a lot of uh, antioxidants. And I don't, you know, in my experience, the people who drink like heavy beers, one, it's much more calories to drink like a lager. Um, but Red wine's pretty much the same across the board. It's 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 pretty down the middle for calories. Um, the other ones are you know like Trulia or like a a White Claw, but I you know those are I don't I don't find that very relaxing. I like to have like a glass of wine when I'm cooking or baking, you know, and I think that's fair. And as far as like frequency goes, you know, it's it is hard on your liver. Um, I think, you know, once or twice a week is not a bad thing. You have a couple glasses of wine, but it's when it's every day or on the weekends. And I know there's a lot of people who get in trouble with this on the weekends going on benders and, you know, having like six or seven, 
you get into trouble with that because now it's taking your body much more than 24 hours to process all that and you feel like shit. But the other thing, so when we were talking about um, hormones earlier, the hormone cortisol, when you drink, so alcohol acts as a stimulant in the first, you know, few hours after you drink it. After that, it's a depressant, but what it does is it skyrockets your cortisol and it will do that and the entire time that it's in your body and it's processing. So on top of not being able to oxidize fat, you're actually going to add fat back into that little pocket around your, around your belly button too, when your cortisol is super elevated. And quickly, because this kind of goes hand in hand to me, let's talk about hydration, the importance of hydration, the much debated, how much water should I be drinking? Yes. The most important macronutrient is water. Yes. (laughs) um, Your body can't do its most basic functions when you're dehydrated. It really can't. And it has a hard time, you know, repairing muscle broken down by weight training. If you're a runner and you're dehydrated, you know, you, your lung function suffers, um, your digestive system suffers. One thing I noticed is really common um, with dehydration or like chronic dehydration is, is bowel movements and like the digestive system, when you're not hydrated, you can't go. Your body needs to put water in your colon for your stool to pass. So when you don't have water in your system and you're wondering why you're constipated, that's why. And it's super important. Um, as far as intake goes, you know, I, it's, it's really hard to drink too much water. I mean, it's, it's possible, but for most of us, it's hard to drink too much water. So I always say like, you know, shoot for a gallon, especially if you're weight training, shoot for a gallon, anything, you know, over half a gallon is good. So anywhere between a half a gallon and a gallon of water a day, you're golden. And, and I go in phases myself. So sometimes, you know, like real clean water is gold to me. And, and other times I just like repulse drinking it. So I actually use those little meal fit things that you squirt in your water and you get some vitamins in it, you know, or so they say, who knows if you actually do but it just adds a little flavor. So it makes me feel better and I can get like all my water in. Yeah. I feel the same way. There are some days like I can just like drink, drink. And then some days I'm just like, if I take one more sip of water, I'm literally going to vomit. So I have to second that. On the like alcohol conversation too. Like, I think that that, you know, that dehydrates you. So that like going into that and that's why you feel like shit the next day is that you're massively dehydrated. But like, um, I think it, the amount of, of times or how often you can drink, you have to, it's one of those things you have to kind of know your body. You have to know yourself. When I was heavier, I didn't notice so much. Some of the, um, the things that it would do to my body, like afterwards, cause I was heavier, you know? And, yeah. but then now I, um, I took up, I had a drink a couple of months ago, um, took a picture the next day and my face was so swollen and round that it was like, I mean, like you almost couldn't even see like my eyes cause I was so swollen. And the yeah. only thing that I can attribute that to is that I had drank the night before. And so yeah. now I am able to start to see the effects of that, you know? And so anyway, I think you just kind of have to know your body. Yeah. And if I know I'm drinking that night, I drink even extra water and I already drink a lot of water and then I add water while I am drinking like I'm a water freaking fanatic my friends make fun of me on the bar like are you got your water I'm like 
girl. <laughs> I'm that water girl. I'm that water girl because I'm like, you'll thank me tomorrow because that's something I've definitely learned. Like I said, I pre-drink water. I drink water while I'm drinking. I drink water before I go to bed. I drink yeah. water when I wake up. Like I, this body full of water. Okay. You're but hydrated. I, right. I, I am. You should <laughs> see my veins. I actually have never heard though, like, um, that said like that, that your body lets off cortisol like that when you're drinking. I've never actually heard it said like that either. Yeah. Well, and I think when you were talking about that, uh, pocket above the belly button, like probably a lot of people's eyes are going to be like, Oh, wait a minute. That seems really familiar. You know, cause I had, a, yeah, I'm like, I had a tummy tuck, I had a tummy tuck in, in August and so I don't have a lot of fat in my abdomen, but last week, here's what's ironic. I was super stressed and I actually have a doctor's appointment with my plastic surgeon because I thought I'd given myself a hernia in that exact area. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because it got really swollen and this week it's like basically gone. So I pretty much made a doctor's appointment for no reason. And now I'm thinking like, maybe that's what it was. Is that? So anyway, it's interesting. Yeah, could be. You never know. And I think that's something that a lot of women struggle with is that abdominal, you know what I mean? It might be the last thing you lose. It might be, you know, you've had C-sections. Like your tummy as a woman, I feel like I've, I've, I haven't had a C-section and even I struggle. Um, I have endometriosis. So that kind of brings on a whole nother set of things yeah. going on in that area in your abdomen. Um, but I think that's something that most women would say is a complaint of theirs. Like, Hey, what do I do about this? And the fact that you've pointed out Shay, that it is directly affected to the stress, whether whatever that stress looks like in your body, um, you know, that cortisone is so important. So I think that that's something we can all walk away with here is, you know, just kind of educate ourselves a little bit more on that and how it is affecting our overall, our weight, our look, our health, our, you know, uh, what it's doing to our life. And it's directly correlated to stress, even as something as simple as those notifications on your phone. Like, I'm yeah. still just like, oh crap, she's right. <laughs> do you, um, do you recommend like cortisol blockers? And for um, like there's this young chocolate powder one that I've gotten before. But the I'm, one by, uh, uh, Matt Porter approved supplements. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, occasionally I do. Yeah. Especially if somebody I know is like chronically depressed or, or, or suffers from like depression and anxiety because they like to go hand in hand. Yeah, I will. Um, the effectiveness of it is up for debate, but you know what can't hurt. And at the very least it, it will stop from putting on excess fat. You know, I don't, I don't know. The thing about cortisol is that it, doesn't necessarily help you lose fat from that area, but it will, when you reduce your cortisol levels, like with that blocker, it will help prevent that fat from accumulating in that area. Um, so if you are in like a calorie abundance, it won't go straight to like around your belly button, but they do. I mean, they, they do work. And we just had a, um, interview with my best friend from high school and she was diagnosed with Addison's disease, which is where her body didn't make enough cortisol. Um, and so that when she was telling us girls like that, she got really small and we all thought she had an eating disorder and was dying. Like she's, she's my height. So she's like five, six, pretty athletic build in high school. And she got down to under a hundred pounds, um, before she was diagnosed with, this Addison's disease. So it's like, it it seems like such a, I had no idea it affected like so 
many things, you know? So in her case, a lack of it is what caused her health concerns. So yeah. Wow. Scary. Yeah. Very scary, but she's good now. She she has really great doctors and they um, misdiagnosed her about six different times before they landed on the correct one. But Oh, wow. So Shay, um, let us know what you have going on. We need, you know, we need to know what you have going on, um, where people can find you, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. I know you have some, um, bands. I do. We want to hear all the, all the everything, all the stuff. Tell us all the stuff. Um, so you can find me on Facebook under Shay Marquetta. I'm on Instagram under Bikini Buff, as well as on YouTube under Bikini Buff. Um, I do run a small equipment line. I sell bands. I'm working on some other exciting stuff uh, with some manufacturers uh, to bring some more products. Um, and that's under Bikini Buff Official, which I'll link on my page too. Um I do online coaching, in-person training, um, and then I have a, I have a couple of secret things coming in the form of an app that I think is really exciting. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to start following. You've dropped some amazing nuggets. I've Thank learned you. a lot. I hope our learner, our listeners can, you know, take away from this and overall, you know, most importantly, what mental health is and how it is related to, you know, health and wellness. And if mental health is something you're struggling with, obviously we want you to get help, but, you know, also look at fitness as, as, you know, kind of an outlet like Shay did. And I think many other people do. I know that's my outlet. I I'm no way near Shay's level. I know Allie spends a lot of time and that's, that's just my outlet. It feels good. I feel accomplished. You know, it's one thing I can get done in my day. Alicia was talking about her walking the other day, like just something you can finish in your day. And you're like, yes, I completed that and I feel good about it. So I hope our listeners can take that away. And I look forward to seeing what you have coming and and having you again, even this has been some great info. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I think, I think what's important here is knowing that, you know, believing in yourself, believing that you're capable and putting your mental health first and, you know, instead of struggling with your body so much, put your brain first, your body will always follow. It will. And sometimes it will, even without physical activity, when you, when you get healthy upstairs. So that's, that should be the big focus. I think, especially this day and age when, when a lot of us struggle with mental health stuff. Thanks for joining us this week on A3 Life. Make sure to join us on Facebook and Instagram at A, the number three life, Inc. And check out our online shop at A, the number three life dot biz.